Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
darkness into the light and uh, this may be the last time that you hear that from me Um, I don't want you to be concerned we're always going to be around here and this podcast is going to spiral up higher and higher permanently as long as I'm around here all right we're going to spiral up higher and higher our problem is lack of exposure this is true it's not something about this name, Out of Darkness Into Light. This is one of the most horrible <laughs> names you would ever want to create for yourself if you want to get <clears throat> show up on a Google search. So um, I'll take some feedback. Uh, I don't want people to have some kind of emotional uh, catharsis around here. But uh, this name is actually horrible for you know, getting some kind of credibility or some kind of a platform on the internet because it doesn't have any key words. So I said before, I didn't start all this. All right. And I did not name this show. Connie did. Connie's gonna be on here. I'm gonna pull up pressure on that girl, okay? Uh she'll be back in here soon. I'm talking to her right now. If she's if she doesn't get on here it's because she says no or shuffles her feet or whatever the heck, you know. But anyway Connie, she didn't name the show either. There was an angel that named this show. All right? This is true. Now, um, there's a good chance that I'm going to call this show Contrarious Lies. All right? And there's all kinds of things that go on in the background here because we're going to start publicizing this podcast. You know why? The Lord spoke through Chuck to me and told me to do it. And actually, he spoke to me as well. And uh, are you ready to have your mind blown? Let me tell you something, all right? We have a ministry around here. And uh, my ministry, among other things, is teaching young men and discipling them in the background. Do I make some kind of big brouhaha about that? No. Okay. You might want to wonder, where do all these people come from that just show up on the show? And this show is totally unique. You don't see me trying to, you know, exalt myself by getting these big name guests in here. You know why? Because I don't need to. Do I? Right? Well, maybe I do. Promote myself? We're going to rethink all that, too. 
the people that come on the show are typically people that I'm dialoguing in the background. And that's what makes the show unique. These are just regular people, but they have been influenced by this podcast. And that's what makes it unique is this alternative thinking, like on a different level, like totally out of the box. I'll tell you something, okay? So um, I'm posting all these different links to my show. I won't, go, I won't call the guy out, okay? To this uh, friend of mine that I've done shows with since um, about 2012. And I post all these different links to my show on his Facebook timeline, okay? Now, he's got some major players interacting with him. And the last time I checked, there has been a virtual wall of silence about all these links that I posted. Now, his Facebook timeline is a direct, maybe it's an indirect conduit, okay, to Revelation Radio Network, Fringe Radio Network, and other soft conspiracy websites that are claiming to be Christians, and I'm not questioning that. We've been doing this for a long time now, okay? I just posted a a, a podcast, which is five years old. It's called Facebook Text Wars. Can you deal with that? So I've been around here for six years. I've been a researcher for 26 years. These people continue to act as if we don't exist. Let me tell you something, okay? You continue to do that. What's going to work against you? Because I'm going to popularize this podcast. I'm going to publicize it. You know why? Because I've been told to. And that's why I really think I need to change the name. You know, I I may not do it, but I'm probably going to. Okay? And it may actually be titled Contrarious Live Theologica Conspiratorium. And I'm going to open up a Facebook group. We're, we're getting on a <clears throat> program called Discord. So we're going to have a 24-7 presence. And uh, we're going to open up a room on uh, Pal Talk and just play our audio. <laughs> I was on a Hoaxbusters call. The last one, okay? This guy, this guy out there called Mr. Paradox. Mr. Paradox. Mr. Paradox is the number one, in my opinion, <clears throat> I'm a fan of Mr. Paradox, Pal Talk Apologist. Hmm. Pal Talk Apologist. I love to sit there and lurk with all these different screen names over the years and watch this guy argue with all these people. Okay? I'm going to call him Mr. Big Shot. Uh, last time Mr. Big Shot interacted with me, <clears throat> he wanted to talk about the subject of Trinity, okay? So he's in there arguing with Dave. And, you know, there's people chuckling in the background, right? And anyway, he got so flustered with me. <clears throat> he's supposed to be an expert on Trinity, right? He just took off. He bailed out. Okay, Mr. Paradox, I'm coming to get you. And all you people, 
you're not going to look good ignoring me, pretending I don't exist. Any direct confrontations with me, your career will be in question. You better be nice. I'm warning you, all of you. I challenge any feminist to oppose me. What was it, 10 months ago? Any Christian apologist. Any Christian apologist. Now, here's the thing. People are going, well, Dave, no one is listening. Uh-huh. What do you think happens when I make a challenge like that? You know what happens? These little people, okay, they have this hero mentality, and their hero is somebody who they think is Mr. Perfect. So what they do, they email him and they say, this guy named Dave Eager just challenged everybody to oppose him or whatever. They get these emails, just like you're a weatherman. You get emails about chemtrails. Do not assume that these people don't know who I am. They know who I am. Okay? But they have yet to acknowledge me or take one single step in my general direction. All right? Now, I said on my show that um, the reason that no Christian apologetics ministry has ever even acknowledged Shori Schreiner is because she's a kook. All right? Now, there's some people out there, they want to make out like I'm a kook. I have people out there, the greatest argument against me. You ready? Brace yourself. This is going to be really bad. They are claiming that I'm mentally ill. And they've been doing this for a number of years, and I have said nothing. So your greatest argument against me so far is I'm mentally ill. And how many people have ever opened a Bible, got a scripture out, and tried to oppose me on any significant level? You know how many people have done that? You know how many people have had the courage to do that? You know how many people? Well, I, you know, when I did that um, – <clears throat> Pokemon Park podcast. I was out walking around. I actually mentioned this. Okay, well, that was last summer. How many people have showed up to dialogue with Dave that actually opposed me on any significant level? Nobody ever. And if they sh- show any signs of aggression dialoguing with me, my greatest weapon. I'll tell you right now, this is why you need to question your career if you dialogue with me. I'm going to scare you here. I'm going to intimidate you. I will turn it into a subtle comedy act, and the audio will be permanent. It's up to you. Take the first step. I'm sick of you guys, okay? Revelation Radio Network, get your ass in gear. Do something. Acknowledge this podcast. French Radio Network, I don't expect that from you. (laughs) No, I don't even expect that. Are you scared of me? What's your problem? And the rest of you, too. See, you're thinking, they have not heard of you, Dave. They've heard of me. They heard of me a long time ago. And what is their response? The wall of silence. And it's kind of interesting. That's the same response I get from Illuminati. So what does that say about your credibility? I'm going to create a new term, virtual silence. 
That's what the Illuminati has to say about this podcast. Meanwhile, in the background, we're attacked day after day. Unbelievable. People follow me around. You talk about you're ramped up, man. So I got a guest trying to get on here. All right, Chris? Can't even do it. You got to pray for the show to shut this stuff down. This is completely out of hand, man. So they don't even care. They're arrogant. They're publicizing this podcast and actually giving us credibility by attacking us relentlessly. I just come on the show exposing. Do they care? No. But it gives us credibility, doesn't it? Kind of a weird roundabout way. All right. So, you know, the days of uh, pastors, Dave, you know, Dave is so pastor. Uh, no, those days are over, Mr. Paradox. All right. I'm coming after you. You're top of my list. And guess what? It's all going to be very entertaining. You guys will love it, man. Dave, are you going to shut these guys down? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Give me your best apologies. All right? Send them my way. Another year went by. Nothing happened. You heard. And what was your response? Nothing. All right? We'll see how good you look in another year after ignoring me. You want to ignore me for another year? Go right ahead. Because we need some promotion around here, you scaredy cat. I'm going to utilize your silence to promote myself. All right? So that's a warning. Yes. All right. You know, there's a community around here. You want to join it? Come talk today. Like I said on Facebook, you got a problem around here? Here's a solution. Come talk today. Is there anybody that I've never treated fairly? All right. What are you scared of? You scared of my theology? Did you know that I profess to believe in the essentials of the historic Christian faith as defined by Scripture? Do you want to question that? Um, I, I would like you to do that because that's actually my expertise. Yes, it is. We can start right there, you know. If you want to prove that I'm some kind of a false prophet, please show me where I deny one single essential. That's my challenge. It already has. I've been challenging people for years. I don't even do it. Like two years, two years will go by. I don't even say anything about it. If you want to deal with me, if you got a problem with me, get your Bible out for the first time. Who's, who's Mr. Big Shot? Who wants to go first? We're going to prove that Dave is a heretic. You know, if somebody tries to do that, um, I'm going to pummel you and make an example out of you. And first of all, you're not going to be able to do that. I'm going to shut it down. And I'm going to turn it around. I'm going to question your, quote, unquote, orthodoxy. I've warned you about this before. And who has ever stepped up the challenge that Dave claims to be an orthodox Christian? You know, Dave is a big guy that's always deconstructing Christianity, while no one else seems to uh, want to get involved with that very important subject. Okay? Do you have a a problem with me deconstructing Christianity? You have a problem with that? Come talk to Dave. We'll make it all better, okay? Or you can just, you know, if you've got a problem with Matthew 17, 11 and my completely revisionist view of what we call Christianity. I told you that John the Baptist was dead, didn't 
So that changes everything. How many people have ever acknowledged that this is a radically different view of the church? Anybody acknowledge that? Have they challenged my position? Well, yes. One silly lady on Facebook who has listened to precisely nothing that I've ever said. Okay? So here's what happens. The Lord spoke to me and also through Chuck, and he told me, I want you to start publicizing your podcast on Facebook. Do you think that God can speak in that kind of contemporary terminology? Well, actually, it doesn't really matter. He just pours the um, concept into your head. So guess what Dave's response was? Dave is <laughs> so out of the mix. He has never even shared anything on Facebook. Can you imagine that? Well, I've posted some links, but I've never shared anything. I go, let me see how to, how to share something, okay? So I click on share, and it's like one single click. And all of a sudden, bam, this is a – you actually posted a podcast um, in your uh, timeline, Chris. And so I shared that on my Facebook timeline. Guess what happened? Talk about total opposition. You know, I, I asked about certain people, and I go, you know, through Chuck, I go, is this person an agent? And this one crazy female, which is not this crazy female, we were told, yeah. And I'm going, what? Because I didn't think she was an agent, right? We got a new concept here. And that concept is an agent from Satan. An agent from Satan? Yeah. They're not on a payroll. It doesn't matter. They were sent by Satan to harass me. This crazy person has been doing this ever since uh, last July, and I know who this person is. This person doesn't know that I know who they are. So I'm baiting them with the ultimate psyop. What's the ultimate psyop, Dave? We got a saying around here, right? The ultimate psyop is the wall of silence. You know what my response has been to this crazy person trying to destroy me in the background, slander? Meanwhile, they're accusing me and trying to destroy them with slander. I haven't said anything. You know what my response has been? The wall of silence. That's the ultimate psyop for me against you. All my enemies, Okay. Based on what I know about human nature, I'm going to do precisely nothing, let the years fly by or the months. And based on what I know about your evil heart, what the prophet Jeremiah said about the wicked heart of man, who can know it? We're going to see what you're made of, and that's what I do. And then in the background, I just take notes on these people. Anybody that's ever opposed me so far? I've got the dirt on you. If you want to go public and show what you got, you know, all your little big secrets in the background, your little uh, <clears throat> slander, maybe you got, go, go do it, okay? But they never show up. All right. So we're going to show up tonight, and we are going to do a show on cryptozoology. I know they don't talk about that in the local church, so we're going to help you out here. And monsters. 
I'm looking at the Wikipedia here. You want to talk about some conspiracy humor? We do conspiracy humor around here, right? <clears throat> Here's what it says. Cryptozoology is a pseudoscience that aims to prove the existence of entities from the folklore record, such as Bigfoot or Chupacabras, as well as undetected animals, otherwise considered extinct, such as dinosaurs. Are you liking this, Chris? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Cryptozoologists refer to entities as cryptids because it does not follow the, here we go, the scientific method. Cryptozoology is considered a pseudoscience. Oh, no. By the academic world. Remember that podcast you and I, Chris, did about the academic world? Remember that one? Academia, I put in the title. Uh-huh, yeah. That, that's what we're talking about here. All these academics, institutionalized minds, the textbook repeaters. Show me something. Who has the audacity to step away from your manufactured reality and actually do something significant and impose what they told you? Did you do that? I don't expect you to, so we're not going to wait around for you. Uh, but we are waiting for Christians to acknowledge that we exist and actually just came out, come out and hang out with this. Or, you know, say the name Dave, Dave Eager on uh, Google. Can you do that? Say something nasty about me. Publicize me. Anything. Anything at all. <laughs> okay? Go do something. And we'll see if another year goes by. All right. We've got a couple of guests tonight. Mercurius, that would be Chris McCombs, and he has a podcast that um, actually is kind of <clears throat> critiquing and promoting my belief system. It's called Super Theism on Talk To. And we have a Jeff in Arkansas. And Jeff, you've uh, had a fascination with uh, cryptozoology for quite some time. When did all that begin? How did you get interested in all that? Um. I don't know, really. I just it started when I was in elementary. You know, probably I don't know around uh, sixth grade. I just uh, I just became interested. You know, started reading what I could out of the library at school and stuff. And uh, uh, then uh, someone uh, very close to me, a family member, was uh, actually saw uh, a Bigfoot. And we were both very young. He, uh, I was 11, and he, he, he's a little younger than I am. But uh, to this day, you know, he's a very trustworthy, uh, strong Christian and, you know, very kind of serious-minded. But uh, uh, he's still to this day, if he uh, tells a story again, he gets pretty shook up. He, he said he's never seen anything that scared him as much as that in any movie, so... Uh, you know, so that definitely helped my fascination with the subject uh, back when I was 11 at that time. <clears throat> so I, I got yeah. started really young myself, alternative type things, back around actually fourth grade. Okay. Uh, it was because of my mother. She was um, bringing all these different books home, and I was just looking at her books, and I, that's how I got exposed to anything alternative. Okay. So, I was a hollow worker in fifth grade. 
<laughs> he'd go and he'd, he'd remember those drug stores. He'd walk in, and they'd have these little, uh, these little, I don't know, little tiny paperbacks for. I mean, they were really cheap. And they actually would have like, this is amazing. This is the late sixties. They would have these paperbacks on the hollow earth. This, this little thing where you kind of spin, you kind of spin it around. Remember those things? Do you ever see anything like that? What the heck has happened? Why can't you walk into a drugstore today and see a book about Hollow Earth? I'm not saying that this is the truth. It's yeah. Mostly confusing or propaganda. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, here's how smart these guys are, Jeff. Here's how smart they are, okay? You know how many people um, besides Mark Sargent? There we go. I'm promoting him. <laughs> that I've ever heard of that um, that believes in a hollow earth that doesn't believe the earth is a sphere. Every single time, mm-hmm. they're promoting this ball earth theory. Can we please do the hollow earth around here and not be a ball earther? Can we do that? Well, Mark Sargent did, and so have I. So mm-hmm. congratulations, Mark. <laughs> and actually, he has a very interesting cosmology. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And I'm not here to refute it. You know why? Because I believe that the surface of the Earth, however you find that, is irregular. It's both convex and concave. And if I understand him correctly based on what I've last heard, so does he. All right? So can we come together and discuss this, somebody? Hmm. I'd really like to do that. Um, like I said, uh, Jaron and... Um, <clears throat> Mark Sargent are acknowledging the theoretical phenomena. <laughs> Heavy emphasis on the word theoretical, on the cloud behind the moon and the cloud behind the sun. But like I said before, the problem here is um, <clears throat> we're not sure if the, if, if the moon and the sun actually exist. What? Okay. Yeah, because they don't have an ancient perspective. That's okay. You know what I mean? But I can deal with that because we're not going to prove anything absolutely. If you can't even affirm that there's a moon in the night sky, all right, that works great for me because you're not going to be able to disprove that these clouds don't exist. And everything is theoretical. So if that's what we want to do, we can do that. But don't think that you're going to use that model to, to disprove anything. You see that? That's okay. Because you don't have an objective standard. Okay. But don't come to me saying, I, you know, there's no cloud behind the moon, Dad, and I can prove that. Please don't embarrass yourself. I'm not talking to these people. I support Jaron. Been on the show, he's out of eight. Okay. He's a young guy trying to figure the show out. And actually, he's a very good promoter. And I'm absolutely horrible. <laughs> I could use a few lessons from him. <laughs> and uh, I have no argument with Mark Sargent. The first thing people want to know, is he an agent, is he not? I'm on record as saying that he's not – I said he wasn't an agent. I don't have an update on him, okay? But um, that's what I said, and I stand behind it. I don't have any qualms with him. All right? But anyway, Jeff, <clears throat> what is your favorite monster? That's my big question for you. What's your favorite monster? Uh, monsters here today too. <clears throat> well, I mean, probably just 
uh, because of the incident I told you about. It's probably Bigfoot, you know, but I mean, that's uh-huh. probably the most popular one, you know, with the uh, most well-known in cryptozoology, I, I would imagine. But, uh, but uh, right, right after that for me, and this has kind of just been fairly recent for me in the last two or three years, because it seems like the sightings are getting, uh, they've just increased so much and seem to be surpassing even like uh, uh, Bigfoot sightings or encounters. And that's the uh, dog net, you know, which are basically described as uh, werewolves or werewolf-like. And um, I just find that really curious that uh, I had probably heard and read about them years ago, but just the, the stories seem to be few and far between, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Uh, but but it seems like just the last few years, um, the stories on Dogman are just uh, increasing, you know, all the time. And um, I just find that pretty interesting. Um, but, yeah, Chris is going to talk about that here. <clears throat> He's got okay. some information on the Dogman. Okay. Yeah, um, that, I, I'm pretty fascinated by it. By the way, I got a, I got a question for Jeff. Off yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. You, nice to meet you, by the way, Jeff. Oh, you too. Uh, do you believe that dogmen are werewolves? Um. Well. <laughs> uh. I'm not sure what to think about them just yet because, uh, you know, I mean, of course, they're described uh, as as looking and appearing like that. I mean, a, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the. Uh, Stories I've read, you know, if if they're true, uh, they describe them like uh, looking like uh, from the howling or something. It's really freaky. Um, uh-huh. But I, I've come to the conclusion, and this is just where I'm at personally right now, is that um, whether it's Dogman or, or Bigfoot or, or Mothman, I think they're mostly, maybe not entirely, but mostly supernatural in origin. You know whether it's uh, another realm or um, or, or what they come from. I'm not sure, but uh, there, there's just too many um, things that that uh, they seem to have in common. Uh, a lot of times, in, in a lot of the stories, uh, like appearing and disappearing, um, or uh, the smell of like brimstone, or uh, you know some, some kind of a Horrid smell. Uh, Bigfoot. And, uh, Bigfoot supposedely smells like ammonia. Yeah, yeah. I've heard, I've heard that too. You know, or rotted meat. You know, but you know, it's 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 something. yeah, like the, like the worst smell you'd ever you've ever smelled in your life, basically. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and one thing that uh, a lot of them have in common, and and uh, the person that uh, had the encounter that I was talking about when I, when we were little described is. Uh, Glowing red eyes, and not not reflective, but glowing red eyes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. sometimes the eye color will change. Sometimes it'll be yellow or green or something, but they're glowing, and uh, that that's not natural. There's no animal we know of that does that. So that's where I'm at right now. I'm not saying that they're 100% supernatural in origin, but um, I think that there's a chance that they're mostly, uh, if if not entirely. I, I don't know. I'm still trying to <laughs> piece things together and figure it out. 
Yeah, I I would personally probably lean the other way. I think that they're uh, mostly terrestrial. Yeah. I mean, you can't – the problem is you get into what's called the continuum fallacy or a fallacy of degrees, mm-hmm. you know, just because uh, there's different degrees of all this phenomena. You, you conflate them all together into the same category, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like – I mean, some – you know, some of them could be supernatural. Some of them could be terrestrial. I think, uh, I think they possibly might have like psychic abilities. Yeah, you know, as well. And maybe, maybe that's the reason for, you know, some people drawing the conclusion that maybe they're supernatural. You know what yeah. I mean, I mean, there's just so many variables, so many unknowns. Yeah, but I think uh, I don't know. I tend to lean towards dogmen and. Bigfoot being terrestrial. Yeah, and I, you know, I can't say that that's not the case. Uh, now, mm-hmm. I have, I, I've said for a long time, or last few years at least, that uh, whether it's Bigfoot or the Dogman, um, that I believe it's possible that there may be, they may be terrestrial. You know, some of them, but yeah. then others are supernatural, which you know maybe they're copying a, a creature sure. that exists. Uh, so, so I don't know if it's if you can just say it's one hundred percent this or that. And, yeah, you can't. Um, no, you can't. But but there are some really odd things like the things we mentioned, and then like you said with uh, psychic abilities. I there there's stories whether it's Bigfoot or uh, some other type of creature that they'll hear a voice, they'll hear them talking to them in their head, or you know, yeah. telling them something or whatever. And it's like, well, <laughs> that doesn't seem too natural, but I, I don't know. It's, well, also, uh, are you are you familiar with uh, David Pilates? Uh, yes, yes, the four one one. The four, yeah, the four one one stuff. Well, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of his accounts. I think overlap with. Well, he actually um, hypothesizes that some of these creatures may be involved with some of these disappearances, of some of these accounts. But I think I think there is an overlap based on the personal testimonies in some of the accounts. Like children will say, you know, some of the children that went missing and then are found on like a cliffside or something, they'll say that like the uh, dog people took them or something. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. but uh, there's a lot of accounts that he described where, where people will just be like walking along a road and then literally for like no apparent reason at all, they'll just head off the road like into the wilderness and it, it, they'll be like three feet of snow on the ground or something, they'll just head out just in some random direction into the wilderness and then just, like, vanish. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just for no apparent reason. Yes. So I've speculated that maybe uh, some of these creatures might possibly be able to emit, like, uh, ELF, some kind of ELF waves or frequencies. And, like, yeah. you know, render their victim, like, uh, put them in, like, a trance state where they... Just you know, just walk off into the direction of where, where the creature is. Yeah, I mean, possibly. I don't know. So, so you think if they, if that is the case, for example, do, do you still think that the the creature would be uh, terrestrial if it had that ability? Sure. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, right. animals, creatures have all kinds of different abilities. You know. Okay. Just the ones yeah. we're aware of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't oh, think yeah. that's a basis by which you conclude that it's supernatural, you know, just because it has an ability like that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's there's a lot. I mean, 
there's a lot we don't know, and you know, I'm sure there's a lot of creatures uh, that have not been discovered yet. You know, there. Uh, I've always said that uh, if there are actual uh, terrestrial creatures like this, uh, they're probably highly intelligent, and uh, you know, quite possibly uh, low in number also to begin with, but very intelligent and able to avoid man pretty pretty well. Intelligent enough to avoid man, yeah. And and yeah. With, I think with couple that with acute senses, you know, very acute senses. Yes. Yeah, I agree. But uh, based based on my research, I I tend to think that uh, this is just my conclusion from my research. I tend to think that Bigfoot and Dogman are, I would put them between animal and human intelligence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, they're. I think I think they're above. They're definitely smarter than the smartest animal out there, but I don't think they're equivalent or smarter than man. Yeah. Um, um, and I, I think they're kind of between, you know, like a beast, beast and 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 man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because yeah, there's there's accounts of like dogmen like being able to open doors and uh, yeah. stuff like that and. Seems like Bigfoot has some rudimentary form of language communication. Yeah, you know, with the the yelping and the the howling and the and it also knocking. They knock. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. I don't. You know, it's nothing comparable to man. You know, if like I don't think they have like complex, you know, grammar and laws of. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. laws of grammar and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, probably not. Although you've probably read a few stories too, where some people have said they're able to talk at least, you know, uh, somewhat. And you know, but who knows if those any of those stories are true? Um, I, now, have you ever read any stories? Uh, cause I've read a few where people said that uh, they've seen like Dogman, and one and one way that they seem to be different than like on you know, Bigfoot, for example, is at times they'll they'll have they'll be wearing a little something, not necessarily a, a lot of clothing or anything, but like uh, maybe uh, something around their neck or a skin, you know, like a you know over their shoulder or just something that's different. I've and, never heard uh, that, but that is interesting. Yeah, I've never heard that before. I've read a few stories, but you know. They're they're few and far between those types of stories, so it's, you just have to wonder. Well, you know, there, is there any truth to them at all? I don't know. I could uh, I got a, I, I actually have a link here. I could I could read you if you're interested. It's on the, it's what my I I think might possibly be the, the identity and the origin of the dogman. Okay. Have you heard of these things called uh, cynocephalus? C y n o c e P-H-A-L-U-S. I'm not sure. It sounds familiar, but I'm not, I'm not sure. Okay, well, I'll just I'll start reading it here. It says, Most people have heard of werewolves, but few know of the ancient race of dog-headed men, better known as the Sinocephali. A Sinocephalus was essentially a man with the head of a dog. They could understand language, but had no ability to speak. Though they are sometimes depicted in artwork as being civilized, they were, by all reports, savage beasts who lived to hunt and to kill. 
This sounds a lot like Dogman so far, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and, and yes, I now that you start reading that, I have heard of them. Yeah, I've read a little bit about them. Yeah, there's actually historical accounts of these. Like they're actually, you know, an ancient non-human uh, race. Yes. You know. Yes. Well, that just brings me to another question for you. And I, I, I wonder. I, I theorize. I wonder if because it says it, there's actually historical accounts where they used to like. They were used to be capable of trading, like they trade with people. Yes. So I wonder, uh, I think that devolution, you know, it applies across the board mm-hmm. universally to everything in creation, you know, except like one or two exceptions. But yeah. I think it, uh, it's affected these as well, and I think that's why the modern dogmen are, I think they've, they've devolved into a more savage state. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're not. They've kind of lost this degree of civilization, you know, where they're trading with people and, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that may be right. I, I agree with you on that. Uh, huh? But yes, I uh, I have read about them and I just couldn't remember the name, but it sounded familiar. But uh, huh? that brings me to a question. I'm sure you've heard, and I want your opinion on it because I don't I don't know what to think yet. But uh, on Bigfoot, I know there's a lot of people out there that. Uh, or at least several that think that they're uh, uh, Nephilim or Nephilim. Oh, no, I don't. I don't believe that at all. Okay. Yeah, I I haven't – I don't really think so either. I mean, I've read about it some. I haven't studied it really deep, but uh, I I never really felt that that was probably the case. I just think that these creatures are part of the beasts of the field that is described in Genesis. Okay. Because we can clearly deduce – from that account, that that those included humanoid creatures. Okay. Just look at the serpent in the garden. That was a humanoid creature, wasn't it? Well, it, yeah. it called him. It called him a beast of the field. Okay. He was in. He was in that category. So yeah. we're not actually even sure what all was a part of this category. You know what I mean? Because he also, it also says that God brought the beast of the field to Adam so he could find a mate among them. You know. Yeah, there had to be a few types that were at least somewhat compatible. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So I tend to think that, uh, like Bigfoot and Dogman and these kind of human-like creatures were maybe just, you know, I think that God probably originally, you know, they were just initial creations of God. You know, as these yeah. non-non-Adamic races or beasts of the field. Okay. Yeah, I've, that's my uh, theory anyway. Yeah. I, I tend to agree with you. I've uh, just kind of studied that some uh, and heard about it just in the last couple of years, really. And uh, so I've never, you know, of course, really been brought up or taught that. And you don't hear that, of course, in church or anything. But uh-huh. uh, I, I tend to, I tend to agree. That's that's probably true. So, so uh, do you think that the, um, uh, the the serpent, you know, of course. I believe was on uh, two feet. I mean, you know, walked on two legs. I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do you think that's pretty much describing what is called today a reptilian? Yeah. Okay. I think it's the same same entity. Yeah, I think that uh, yeah, the Nakash was this uh, serpentine humanoid race, and I think that he was that he was the head of the head of his race at Nakash in the the garden. I, yeah. you know, me and Dave have, Dave and I have spoken on this on past calls. We we share the same belief on this. We think that uh, Satan, well, 
that's kind of a misleading term in itself, but yeah, the heavenly Satan spoke through uh, this serpent and utilized him as his mouthpiece or his instrument, and uh, you know he spoke through him, and that's that's what temp- that's how he tempted Eve, you know. Yes, and I think that God, uh, as part of His punishment, when it when it describes how He was He was to be brought lower than all the other animals and be forced to eat dust, uh-huh. I think that that was uh, part of His punishment. There was basically being um, forced underground, forced uh, into what you'd call Sheol or this cavernous region underground. Okay, all He'd be right. banished from the surface. Okay, and just like you know, Adam, how. The Bible teaches collective identity, you know, where, and, and uh, you know, like collective impunity of, of guilt and sin. You know what I mean? Like how we're all culpable for Adam's sin or all the Adamites. I mean, everybody's descended from Adam. Yeah. You know, I think the same applied to the Nakash in the garden. He, he was the head of a race, and thus all his descendants, you know, share in that punishment. So they were forced to stay underground basically in this okay. cavernous region. That's why all these accounts of like, there's a, there's a lot of accounts of people that have been underground and they've came across these reptilians, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, I've uh, read quite a few stories like that and uh-huh. uh, that's interesting. And most of the reptilians in the, in the, all the accounts I've read, uh, most of them at least say that they're, wearing some type of clothing, almost sometimes like a jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. you know, and and uh seem to always have some kind of a belt with uh sometimes with buttons or whatever on them and it's like so it's almost like a uniform. I mean it's basically described as some type of a uniform. Sure, yeah. Now I think they are extremely intelligent because the Bible says they were you know, it says the Nakash yeah. was the most cunning of all the beasts of the field, you know. Yeah. Well obviously we see that too based on how he interacted you know, yes, or why, why Satan it, utilized him. Yes. I think mm-hmm. they may, may still be able to uh, to speak also because sure. there, there's a lot of accounts of that where they actually hear them speaking. You know, whether they can understand them or not, they can. it's a, it's a language. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, so I think that they're, at, they're basically helping the Illuminati. You know, they're on the, they're helping the dark side right now mm-hmm. because they're, they're basically, they have to, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's really yeah, that's really interesting. I I agree with you on a lot of things there. Um, uh-huh. um, it, it's a fascinating subject to me. I know a lot of people don't get into this kind of stuff, but uh, I love reading about. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. always have, you know, since I was young. Yeah, and it's basically because I I really believe believed since I was young that there was something to it, especially since that encounter that. Uh, that person had, you know, that, uh, you know, it's somebody that I would trust, you know, with my life. And, and, uh, if they were making a fib up when they were a kid, they would admit to it today and they don't, mm-hmm. they, they get pretty shook up if they have to tell the story, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, so that, that convinced me, you know, right away that there, there's something going on. You can't just say, ah, there's nothing to it or, you know, oh, you yeah. Yeah. just imagined it or, uh, man in a suit or something stupid like that, you know, so, uh, yeah, I'm kind of, I, I, I kind of share that with you. I, uh, I know two people actually personally who've, who've witnessed a, a 
Bigfoot. My really? uh, sister's uh, ex-husband. Yeah. He uh, both both here in Iowa, by the way. I, I live in Iowa. That's pretty surprising, actually. But uh. Yeah. Yeah, he saw one. He actually saw one by a military base. And people, I think people draw false conclusions from that. They'll be like, oh, well, you know, there's some kind of military creation or, you know what I mean, something like that. Yeah. But I think the reason uh, a lot of dogmen and Bigfoot frequent military bases and kind of stay close to them is because that's protected ground. That's usually usually a, a lot of acreage or protected forest ground, you know. Yeah. Where there's not a lot of people traveling through it, and there's not there's no hunters, and you know what I mean. It's like perfect. It's a perfect safe zone for them, you know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so, but he also saw it at night, which is consistent with a lot of the accounts as well. People say that they're nocturnal. Big. Yeah. Uh, the, the sighting uh, that, that was made by this person I know, it, it was uh, uh, very early in the morning. Like, you know, 6.30, the sun was up. It's it's summer, but the sun was just coming up. And uh, so it was very early in the morning. They were probably just, you know, headed to get out of sight. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Is my guess. Mm -hmm. But, but yeah, it's – I hadn't thought about that, about the military bases. That's kind of a – be more secure for them. Sure. Yeah. And also, uh, my friend, uh, his name, well, I call him Georgie. That's his nickname, but yeah, he, uh, he, he had an encounter as well. Uh, he just like, I think he like woke up, just like something woke him up when he was sleeping. Mm-hmm. And he just had this, he, he described it. He just had this instinct to like, look out his window and right across from his house was his, uh, his school. And they had like a huge yard and like they had these forest areas like there was this huge there's this huge gap and there's like a forest area on each side yeah and he saw a bigfoot just run across you know from the one forest part to the other on the other side okay and he said it had to be a bigfoot just based on the size and the uh, the um the strides that it took you know he, he said there's no way it could have been a person or Oh yeah, how fast yeah. it was and everything, you know. Yeah, yeah, the one that was described and uh, you know to me uh, by this person was uh, had to have been probably eight or nine feet tall because uh, I knew where it had been and the uh, barbed wire fence that it stepped over it didn't jump over it uh, according to him and uh, it's like it had to have been very tall and. It, and he also, uh, there was a big tree, and he said its head went right under this limb, you know, and the, the limb was, I would say, you know, nine feet off the ground. So uh, it was very tall. So something I find fascinating, too, is it, it seems like some encounters are, you know, they get a sense of evil. You know, it's really, really a, a scary encounter, and others, not so much. And, um, you know, of course, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with a lot of the uh, Native American stories, which I've always thought were really fascinating. And a lot of them uh, th- that I've read, at least, so some of the accounts, the way they got along with them is they would, uh, if they went fishing,
fishing or something and caught fish, they would leave fish for them. Yeah. You know, and then uh-huh. they would take some and leave some, and then they might return the next day to do some more fishing, and there would be, I don't know, something left for them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like some kind of a vegetable or whatever. I don't know. And it's like See, that uh, doesn't that does indicate some level of uh you know intelligence above your average animal, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And it, it was described as how they kept the peace, and it's like you know that that can make some sense too because if people are coming in and they're just you know whether they're hunters or whatever and they're just being kind of destructive and not uh, respectful of uh, nature and things you know which is basically where they, they're living, then. Uh, you know, they, they could be, they might turn mean. So there's a lot of accounts where they, well, see, this is kind of the one thing I've noticed with uh, my research into Bigfoot is it seems like they promote this whole gentle giant narrative. Mm-hmm. You know, like that Bigfoot's just like our forest brother out in the woods. It's kind of like new agey, yes. you know what I mean? Just, <laughs> which yeah. I, I never, I never bought that. It just never even made sense to me, you know, because my epistemology is all based off the Bible, you know, and it says yeah. we live in a cruel, savage world, you know, falling mm-hmm. to sin, you know what I mean? It's just to expect a creature like that to, to be to be like that, you know, all across the board all the time, that to me is just yeah, very inconsistent, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, it's not, yeah, it's, it's uh, well, you can't, you can't expect that, but I think that it, it makes sense to me that there could be there there could be some that are definitely friendlier than others because I mean that's well, just well, what I, it is. I think so, but but yeah, yeah they just I, I mean in nature you'll come across that you know with other other animals. Sure. You know? uh-huh. It's just kind of weird how you know every once in a while you'll find a wild animal of some kind and they're they're a lot more friendly than you would normally expect. Yeah, I just think that like like every creature, they have like a tribal tribalist mentality. You know, it's like if you invade on their territory, there's no guarantee that they're not gonna harm you. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I mean, (laughs) and they have they have every means by which to harm you. You know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They want to. I mean, they're they're going to. Yeah, yeah. There's not much you can do about it. No, if I had an encounter, I would just hope that they were going to be the friendly type. Yeah, yeah. Because you're in trouble if they're not. But uh, yeah, there's actually uh, this article I found is really interesting. It's it's a blog article. It's called uh, "Why Has No Hunter Ever Shot and Killed a Bigfoot?" Yeah. Guy demonstrates that just from recorded accounts that he found, uh, humans have shot and killed Bigfoots 35 times in the last 182 years. Yeah, and he he basically goes through all these accounts of where people got into altercations with Bigfoots. Yeah, there's even accounts from like the Civil War era. I'm gonna see if I can. Uh... Yeah, here's one. Oh no, well I don't know if this is from the Civil. Okay, this is from 1829, June 20th, 1829. It says Okie Fenoki Swamp, Georgia. As a team of hunters set out in an attempt to track down and kill a Bigfoot in the swamp. After tracking for two weeks, they were set upon by the Bigfoot one night. The men opened up with all their guns, but it seemed useless. 
Five of the men were killed by the Bigfoot, who then tore all of the men's heads off. The surviving the surviving men opened up on the Bigfoot, finally killing it. <laughs> there's actually there's a consistent theme throughout these accounts of that's like the Bigfoot's method of dispatching people. Like he'll rip your head off. Oh wow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> wow, that's, that's and it's awesome. like people people unload like whole clips and it just it doesn't even like you have to have like an elephant gun basically just to you know what I mean? Yeah, I I've I've read a lot of accounts like that too. I, I knew that. See, I think, uh, of course, that information is being suppressed. You know, any oh yeah, been killed, um, because you know you know that back then they didn't have government officials coming around, you know, collecting the body. You know, back in 1829 or whatever. It's just it just gets uh, buried over time. They don't want it out. They don't want people to, to know because there is evidence and proof of stuff like that. Uh, well, also, uh, in these accounts, he goes through, uh, it seems like the Bigfoots have a a tendency to collect uh, the bodies of their fallen and actually, like, go out of their way, like, go to extreme measures to, to collect, to retrieve them. Yes, yes. Which yeah, I find I, pretty I... interesting. They, they basically, it seems like they travel in groups. Yes. And also, there's accounts of, like, people who kill one and then like a bunch of other ones will just come out of nowhere and like hone in on the guy and he has to like get out of there you know as fast as he can yes you know what i mean so basically like yes. if, if, if there's one in the area it's like pretty certain there's going to be a group of them you know yes I, i've i've believed that since i was young that uh you know just based on things that i i read and connecting some dots that they at the very least travel in like a family and maybe yeah, like a family unit. Yeah. Or a tribe almost. Or a tribe. Because, and I've I've said for a long time that if they're physical creatures, if if they really are, that, uh, um, that they travel in groups and they're very intelligent. And like you said, if one of them gets killed or dies or whatever, they, they, they don't leave the body and that, uh, you know, like elephants have uh, an elephant graveyard, you know, where they, they'll take uh, the bodies, you know, and be a pile of bones. And, and I, sure. I thought, well, they may do something similar, except they actually may bury the bodies, but they don't. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that or, they put them in ca- or they put them in a cave or something because there are accounts where they do live in caves, they utilize oh, yeah. cave systems. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Lots, lots of uh, lots of stories of them being in caves and living there. So, yeah, I, I think that could really explain why you don't find bones and bodies. Yeah, but uh, I think uh, bodies actually have been found before, like the Minnesota Iceman. You familiar with that? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think that I mean, was I'm, I think that was a legitimate Bigfoot body, <laughs> a young okay. one. Okay. Yeah, it may have been. I, I haven't really read about that in a long time. I, I remember reading about it years ago, but uh, I hadn't really thought of it that way. You're, you're probably I'm right. I'm if I, uh, I had a link of it here. I can find it. Keep talking while I find okay. it. <laughs> uh, well, uh, just uh, we, we can go to this next. 
but uh, I do want to know your opinion. Uh, you know what your take is on uh, like Mothman, uh, because those encounters are virtually all like bad, evil. You know, a real sense of evil uh, in the presence of uh, Mothman, and of course, uh, bad things seem to happen. They seem to be a uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They uh, a bad omen uh-huh. that, you know, when when you see one that something bad is getting ready to happen and uh, so yeah I mean we can go to that here in a little bit I just kind of want to know your your take on that and whether you think those are actual terrestrial creatures or, uh, or what's going on there because uh, a lot of strangeness with those okay well here's the here's the kind of the summary on the Minnesota Iceman and you guys okay people listening can google this and they can actually view the original photographs they're in black and white which i think are legitimate real photographs of a young bigfoot that was dead you know that this guy actually uh was showcasing because in 1969 the world turned its attention to an extraordinary claim published in an article by the argazi magazine the discovery of a fresh corpse preserved in ice and it says that would fill, quote, the gap between ape and man. Okay, so obviously they're drawing the Darwinist, Darwinist interpretations there. Yeah. A year earlier, a man named Frank Hansen had shot and killed a bipedal creature in the woods of Minnesota. Whether real or fake, the specimen exhibited a gunshot through the eye and a broken arm. At least that's what Steve Busty, owner of the Museum of the Weird in Texas, found out this year when he bought the corpse from the family of its owner in Minnesota. At first, Hansen claimed he found the creature in Siberia while working for a billionaire. Later, he changed his story and admitted to killing the primate in the Minnesota woods. He then froze it and started displaying it at carnivals, charging 25 cents to everyone who wanted to take a look. That was before two cryptozoologists got involved with the Smithsonian to request an, an official investigation into the possibility of the beast being a man from the Ice Age. So what did Hansen do? He allegedly replaced the body with a fake one before the investigation took place. The FBI was then put on alert by the Smithsonian under the suspicion of a murder cover-up. Okay, so basically uh, he had the original mm-hmm. at one point, which I think the, there are the original photos of online, the black and white. But then it got replaced later on due to it sounds like some strong arming from higher-ups like they... I don't know, there was implications that he'd be charged with murder or something, so he, you know, kind of got scared or whatever, and whatever mm-hmm. actually happened, you know what I mean? Sounds like yeah. he got uh, he got the pressure put on him, you know? That, and that's called the Minnesota Iceman, is that what it... Yeah, that Minnesota Iceman, uh-huh. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll look that up and just see if I can find some images. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, it fits the Bigfoot profile totally, like the the anatomy and the arm, you know, and all the Bigfoot descriptions, the arms, they describe the arm length being consistent, yeah. like the arms go down to the knee level. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it looks like in this. And, I mean, yeah, just the anatomy completely fits. Okay. But it's like a younger one. Looks like a younger one. Uh... Huh? Okay, yeah, I'm I'm going to just look it up and look at some pictures, but um, 
Okay, so Mothman, you asked me about. I think I haven't really done a lot of research into Mothman. I think Dave would be more qualified to talk on that. But I, my, just my uh, thoughts on it. I think it's probably a government uh, creation. Oh, okay. okay. Illuminati, yeah. Illuminati creation that they created in these underground labs and then released just to get their jollies, you know, to terrorize people. Yeah, I think he was created in a lab and actually deliberately yeah. publicized. Uh-huh. So. Yeah. Okay. I think there's a few creatures that fit that profile. I think the Jersey Devil would be an example of that too, where they just yeah. literally create just a blatant monstrosity and release it on the unsuspecting public, you know, just for laughs, basically, to completely terrorize people. <laughs> you know, okay. create uh, a local le- create a local legend. They like to do that. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that, but but yeah, the appearance. I mean. Mothman really, I don't think, had much of a history before what, sometime in the sixties. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Before that bridge collapse or whatever. Uh. Uh-huh. So that that does seem kind of same, odd. Same, same with like the Jersey Devil. It didn't have any. Just kind of came out of nowhere, you know. And by the way, you guys, when they collapsed that bridge, if you're thinking critically at all, you know, from a conspiratorial mindset. They collapsed that bridge to publicize Mothman. They didn't have to do that. What happened when they collapsed that bridge? Well, Mothman got publicized. Do you, you think they might have wanted to do that? Well, yeah. Does that make any uh-huh. sense to most people? No, it's not supposed to make sense. Mothman is never going to make any sense to most people. Yeah. It's the kind of strange things that they do, and sometimes we're becoming suspicious that they do these things to amuse themselves where they <clears throat> get their legs back on the big open desk and smoke their 100% organic Havana cigars. And they mock us all because they made us so stupid. And we can't actually interpret the true reality because we're too scared to do it because we have this fundamental drive to appear normal on Facebook and other public places. All right, you guys, you can go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna comment earlier too. So I, I, I don't think the dogmen are. Well, obviously you, you probably would have gathered this by now, but I don't think the dogmen are, are werewolves. I think that's a different. Werewolves are a different phenomenon. I think that people make that they draw that association because people that are, you know, if you see a werewolf and you're just like a common person, what are you gonna associate it with? You know, people are familiar with werewolf imagery, you know, on like media and Hollywood and stuff, so they're going to draw that association. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, now, yeah. As far as this werewolf, uh, you know, man turning into a, a werewolf. No, I don't believe that. I mean, uh, absolutely don't believe that. But I think I, I believe it. Is, oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, well, then how's that different than like uh, the standard werewolf? mythology then what do you mean if, well the werewolf mythology is that you know like in the movies a man turns into a werewolf and uh oh I think that uh my theory is on transmogrification that's what it's called right when you yeah. your body morphs into like a creature or whatever yeah I think that my theory on it I don't really know how it, how it's done or accomplished my theory is that well I mean You've listened to these calls before, so we operate off the belief that everyone has a personal angel, right? A higher self. Yeah. 
I think that the Illuminati, these elites, their higher selves can basically indwell them and, like, give them power, and I think they can actually alter their form physically. That's my theory. I I mean, okay. like a form of possession, I think. I don't know. Dave, what do you think on that? Uh, I'm texting uh, Jerry in the chat room. What do you think? I really don't know how else it would be possible, to tell you the truth. I don't I mean, I've thought about, like, maybe they absorb a lot of the ethers or whatever. I don't, but I don't know how that would alter your shape physically like that into, like, a monster. That doesn't really follow. That doesn't make sense. What was sense. the question? Was We're talking about how how do we think uh, transmogrification occurs, you know, like the werewolf lycanthropy stuff? I believe that werewolves are primarily – at least a historical sense, they're a supernatural creature. There's two primary forms of a quote-unquote witch. That would be the vampire and the werewolf. Those are the two most common forms. So Yeah. But, see, it's not either or. There, There's manufactured werewolves. I'm talking about, you know, the historical um, manifestation down through the centuries. It's, it's witchcraft. Okay. They have the I'm talking about legitimate. I'm talking about legitimate shape shifting into a werewolf. Do you believe that's possible? Yeah, absolutely. That's what they're doing is shape shifting. Yeah. Well, how, how? What's your theory on it? How is it accomplished? Supernatural through magic, dark magic. Oh, I well, I said that my theory was I think that their higher selves indwell them and give them power and actually like alter their shape. Wow. Well. That's a really good theory, Chris. I want to compliment you on that. And uh, you can blend uh-huh. that with my theory. It's not either or. Um, that's very possible. Yeah. We'll yeah, that's what that. I think. All right, yeah. But hmm. Uh, hmm. So I got some excerpts here from some books that I have. This this book is uh, called The Awesome Life Force by Joseph Cater. Yeah, I've got that book, yeah. Yeah, it, uh, it. it has an, it has an excerpt on here on uh, werewolves. He was a USC USC professor, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, extremely intelligent guy. I mean, this book is not a casual read at all. (laughs) Absolutely. It says, uh, terrifying metamorphoses and displaced intelligences. It says, uh, tales of werewolves, vampires. Oh, hold on. I got to plug in my phone. Hold on. Okay, sorry. It says, uh. Tales of werewolves, vampires, and the like have persisted down through the ages and up to the present. Those who have researched the subject to any extent have found a wealth of evidence to support these beliefs. In fact, a Hindu scientist wrote a book on the subject of werewolves, giving a full account of his research and encounters with such horrific creatures. It included photographs of some of them in the transformed state. The photos made the movie version of a werewolf look like a Clark Gable, according to a friend who read the book. He held a high position in the Rosicrucian order and had access to this book in the Rosicrucian archives, not available in any public library. (laughs) I believe that, probably. According to this Hindu scientist, the werewolf's physical strength is about six times as great as in the human form. Other findings indicate they can run as far and as fast as the $6 million man when in this state. Three former acquaintances of the author claimed to have seen such a creature. One of them stated he even saw the transition back to human form. 
Before the transition, it was seen to jump from the ground to the roof of a garage in one leap. Another observer corroborated this person's account. There was a werewolf scare in the Los Angeles area in 1962. Many claimed to have seen one, and a husky teenager was supposed to have had an actual encounter with it. He first thought it was someone wearing a werewolf mask with special makeup, including artificial talons. To his horror, he found the mask wouldn't come off when he grabbed it. He ended up in the hospital in a state of shock. During the brief encounter, most of his clothes had been torn off, and he suffered an assortment of bruises and scratches. The incident created a stir and was discussed on radio and television. The Hindu scientist mentioned above claimed that about two people out of a million are werewolves. This means there might be a dozen of them roaming the Los Angeles area. <laughs> so that was that excerpt. You guys still there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then I got, uh, are you familiar with Charles Fort? Absolutely. Got his books. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right? Yeah, everything. Yeah. Yep. You said yes, you are? Uh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm not real familiar with him. Oh, okay. Well, he was this guy, I think, what, during the 1800s? Or 1900s, right, Dave? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and he... Uh, he basically, uh, I think he worked in a library, right, for like 20 years, and he, he literally just read all these newspaper accounts and all these magazine yeah. articles. Uh-huh. Yeah, and he took he took notes on basically all, everything that was anomalous that was documented in these, you know, just like newspaper articles or uh, scientific magazines or just all this literature that he read. And he put together these books just with all his, you know, all his notes of these anomalous things. And basically it started what became known as the Fordian phenomena, named after him. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is basically, you know, just like UFO anomalous type phenomena. And uh, I have his complete works here. I got all his works in one book, so it's like a giant book. But he wrote four. He wrote four books. And uh, he's got some werewolf accounts in here as well. This is from his last book. It was called Wild Talents. Um, it says, uh, I have come upon many allusions to the, quote, leopard men and the, quote, hyena men of African tribes, but the most definite story that I know of is in an article by Richard Baggett in the Cornhill Magazine, October 1918, upon the alleged powers of natives of northern Nigeria to take on the forms of lower animals, an experience attributed to Captain Shot, DSO, is told of. It is said that raiding hyenas had been wounded by gun traps and in each case had been traced to a point where the hyena tracks had ceased and had been succeeded by human footprints leading to a native town. A particular of the traditional werewolf story is that when a werewolf is injured, the injury appears upon a corresponding part of the human being of its origin. Baggett told of Captain Schott's experience, alleged experience, whatever, with, quote, an enormous brute that had been shot and had made off, leaving tracks that were followed. The hunters came to a spot where they found the jaw of the animal lying in a pool of blood. The tracks went on toward a native town. The next day, a native died. His jaw had been shot away. <laughs> huh. What does that tell you? Transmogrification is probably real. That's what it tells me. Hmm. See that? Yeah. 
See, I've I've read about stories like that, but I never have come to a conclusion. Uh, I never thought about it that much about the transport modification or however it's pronounced. Um, yeah, I wonder. Uh, I was thinking actually right now. I wonder if it's because you know how they put out how it's linked to like the moon cycle and put that out in Hollywood and stuff and like the mythology. Yeah. I wonder if that's actually true. You know, like the full moon. Uh, they, you know, it's. It makes them more etheric, so it may, allows it basically makes the transformation easier or allows for it more because uh, there's more ethers, you know. Yeah, present. I, I don't know. It very well could because they they tend to give us pieces of truth, you know, but you know a lot of other stuff yeah. is mixed in, and so there there may be some truth to that. Yeah, revelation of the method. They do it all the time. Yeah. They release it in a context that they know people will reject. Like they call it "quote unquote" fiction. You know, people yeah. just dismiss it out of hand. Guilt by association. Yeah, that's that's, that's right. how they know they can get away with it. Yep. Yeah. Uh huh. Hmm. And it's actually a better. It's actually better than not releasing the truth at all. You know, to put it in a, a medium like that, because then if anybody ever discovers the truth and they point to it, people will be like, oh, well, that was in that one mm-hmm. that one fiction thing, you know? So then they'll reject it even more, you know, than if they it hadn't been in something like that. Oh, yeah. See that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Um, yeah, I just hadn't thought about it that much. I, I always just kind of, of course, like I said, I haven't gotten into the Dogman uh, phenomenon too much until about the last, couple of years i'd read bits and pieces over the years but there just didn't seem to be that many uh encounters or stories or whatever to me compared to bigfoot and yeah well, you, you were right with what you said earlier the account apparently the uh encounters are uh rising you know they're getting more frequent becoming yeah. more frequent yeah I think apparently uh i've heard that both population both the populations of bigfoot and dog man are, are uh increasing and I would tend to probably believe that because I think that more and more people are just being cordoned off in cities, you know. Less mm-hmm. and less people are, are, are living in these rural areas, you know, outside of cities. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think we're being I think we're being totally lied to about the population of the earth. And yeah. I don't think there's hardly anybody living outside of cities anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's hardly anybody even living on farms. They're shutting down all these farms. You know? Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think that uh, that's basically what's corresponding with the increase in their, you know, the proportionate increase in their populations, you know, because more and more people are moving out of their areas. That's why I think there's a lot more accounts from rural areas. You know, like a rural person wouldn't react nearly the same way as like a city person, you know, to, to the prospect of like a Bigfoot, you know. They'll be like, oh, we... You know, we have encounters like that all the time. You know, they don't just reject it out of hand like a person who lives in a city does. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they, they actually encounter these things on a fairly regular basis. Yeah. You know? Because they live out in it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it just highlight it highlights the fallacy of people who live in cities and they hardly ever get out, you know, into outside of cities to pontificate about what's out there and what's not out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, how could you yeah. possibly make that ter- determination? <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm not uh, like I said I'm not near as familiar with a dog man as you are probably because it's been more recent for me. But um, I had always just kind of uh, assumed that they were a creature like Bigfoot. I hadn't thought about it uh, being possible that you know maybe men or I had thought about it but not really dwelled on it or looked into it much about someone turning into one. Um, well, I don't, I don't think anybody can turn into a dog man. I think werewolves are a distinct two different categories. You, okay, so you're saying that... that, that I think that dog they, man is a completely distinct creature. They, they don't... A dog man's its own creature. Okay, okay, I see. Yeah. So, so like, the stories that I've been reading, uh, the encounters and stuff, when they call them dog men, but they describe them as a werewolf, they're probably getting two different creatures mixed up. Yeah. Oh, okay, I'm saying it's okay. an association fallacy, you see, because they're, they're oh, okay, operating okay. off the assumption that, oh, this must be a werewolf because this is what I'm, you know, I've seen werewolves in media in Hollywood, and they look like a werewolf, so it must be a werewolf kind of thing, you know? Um, Okay, I've got you. Yeah, I, I, I that's where I was uh, not understanding what you were saying. I, uh, yeah, but that makes sense because uh, I always kind of wondered about that because uh, the stories I've read, you know, a lot of them do describe them as looking like a Hollywood type werewolf, but then others yeah. are more uh, more subdued, you know, more more human like, uh, but with a, mm-hmm. you know, a, a dog head, but yeah. But uh, they're always, no matter how they look, they call them dog men. There's two different types from what I've researched. There's the canine type. Yeah. Which, you know, is the obviously has the more canine-looking head and yeah. basically the body of a man, but it has very long arms, kind of like the Bigfoot. Then they end in massive talons. Yeah. You know? And... uh and then there's uh, what's called, they call it the Type 3. It's like a baboon-looking type. It's got like this, or like its head looks more like a baboon-type head. Yes. Have you Are you familiar with that? And they actually, there's actually a picture of it, a legitimate photograph. Uh, it's called the Beast of Seven Shoots. Have you seen that photo? I don't think I've seen the photo, but I, I do know that description, yeah. Yeah, this guy took a photo of, like, this waterfall or something, and uh, literally in the very bottom corner of the photograph is this crazy-looking baboon dogman, like, standing partially behind this tree, like, looking o- like looking at him, you know, from that, from way down there, you know? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, I don't guess I've seen the photo, but yeah. You, you should I look it up. Have... Yeah, look that up, the Beast of Seven Shoots. Beast of Seven Shoots? Yep, seven shoots. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I'll look that up. Um, huh? But yeah, I have I have uh, heard those different descriptions though. Yeah. Um, and kind of what I've gathered too. Well, I've actually heard that uh, the Bigfoots and the Dogmen like compete with each other. Uh, you know and, what? Uh, I've heard that the Bigfoots are actually scared of Dogmen. Like they'll retreat from the area generally of a Dogman's in the area. Okay. Yeah. I have read that they, they, they've been seen kind of in close proximity together, but now a couple of things, stories that I read, uh, if there's any truth to them, is that uh, 
the dog men or, you know, as they were called at least, uh, seemed to be um, treated like the Bigfoot uh, creatures um, as being in control, like the, the superior to them. No, so the that's big- not. Not from my research, it's like the opposite. It's the opposite. Okay. Yeah. Huh. So uh, I read that. I've read I've read it the other way around that Bigfoot is, is like superior to the werewolves. Well, I think that uh on an individual basis, uh Bigfoot will retreat from a dogman for obviously for obvious reasons. Which one's mm-hmm. more built just from their physical anatomy, which one's more built for you know, killing something? Clearly, the dog man. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. But I think that uh, dog. I think that dog men. They, they travel. I think that they're generally solitary. They travel alone because yeah. I think that they're. I think the do, the dog men. They're hunters. They're predators. Basically, totally. From, yeah. From what I've researched about them. Whereas the the bigfoots are more like like foragers. You know, like opportunists. They can, they go around like picking berries and. They kind of just eat whatever, you know. They're like gatherers. Yeah. And they also travel in groups, you know. And I think that uh, that's that's what maybe uh, might cause a, a dog man to you know, treat them with caution or whatever, because they know that they're generally in groups. You know what I mean? Okay. Or where okay. there's one, there's more. That there's more around. Okay. But on a one-to-one basis, I think that you know the Bigfoot will. Get out of there. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Huh. I just hadn't really thought about that too much. Like I said, I just read a couple of stories that seemed to indicate the, the, the opposite, but, uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, that's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I found this photo and I have seen it before. I just didn't know it was called that. But I have yeah. seen the photo. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty wild. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, that's why I think a lot more of the accounts of the dogman—they're usually, they're, they're usually always uh, aggressive, you know. Or there, there's not a lot of general, there's not a lot of uh, peaceful encounters usually with the dogmen, like there are with Bigfoot. No, no, it's, I yeah. think that that's because the dogman is—it's a predator, you know. Like that's. Yeah. If, if, and I think that's also why um, there's a lot more video amateur video footage, like on YouTube of Bigfoot. I mean, there's like a ton now. Yeah. I mean, a ton. Like if you if you deny the existence of Bigfoot today, like with all the amateur video footage on YouTube, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. It's like yeah. <laughs> how much how much amateur video footage do you need before you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I think that's why. There's a lot more amateur video footage of people just, like, stumbling across a Bigfoot, you know, or it's just kind of wandering around and they catch it on camera and it doesn't really care that it's being seen or whatever. Because I think they're they're not predators, you know. Like I said, they're just foragers. They're just wandering around foraging, you know, gathering. They don't, It's kind of like a deer, you know. You come across yeah. a deer and, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a lot more yeah. likelihood, your likelihood of, like, stumbling across a deer as opposed to a mountain lion. See what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> You're basically never going to catch a mountain lion on camera, you know? Yeah. Because exactly. if a mountain lion is in the area, it's going to be, like, stalking you. 
you know what I mean? And if you yeah. do see it, it's probably not going to end well. You're probably not going to survive with video footage. <laughs> yeah. That's what I think. That's that's what I think is it's like with the dogman. You know, that's why there's very little. There's basically no video footage on YouTube at all. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Uh-huh. Um, I think that they're definitely the apex predator. Wow. I just hadn't thought about that. I just kind of assumed that, uh, you know, if Bigfoot gets as big as is reported. And, of course, that hard to take down, you know, with uh, regular weapons. I guess I just never thought there'd be too much they'd be afraid of. Well, the dog man gets comparable size, and it's but it's got claws and teeth. <laughs> yeah, and I mean it's built for. I mean it's with the with like a wolf head. I mean it's built for killing things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Efficiently. Yeah, yeah it'd be a lot faster. Yeah. Huh. Well, I'm uh, I'm kind of curious to see what uh, other people that are on tonight what they're what they think, or uh, I think I think Dave was kind of uh, in the chat room talking about uh, wanting to know what people's uh, other people's favorite monster is, or you know, creature. I don't, I don't know if there's anyone into it as much as we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're still trying to figure out what their favorite monster is, so there's no immediate response. <laughs> Well, uh, I got to ask now. So here's the inevitable question. What's your opinion on dinosaurs? Me? You asking me? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I believe dinosaurs existed, but um, uh, it hasn't been until recently, you know, that I, I think there probably has been a lot of, a lot of fakery for, you know, just fooling people and, you know, for Hollywood to make them this way or that. But I do think they existed, but, uh, I'm a little. I'm, I'm. I'm not sure exactly how many are accurate, or we know what a lot of them looked like. Because I think I think a lot of it's been manufactured. Okay. Well, here's my opinion on dinosaurs. So I was like obsessed with dinosaurs as a kid. Okay. Yeah. I mean obsessed. Like I would read everything. Like no matter what the source. If it was if it was dinosaur related, I was on it. You know. Yeah. So, like, when I first got into, like, conspiracies and researching this kind of stuff, I was probably, like, a junior in high school, I think, mm-hmm. when I got serious, started to get serious. The, yeah. the first thing I looked into, dinosaurs. You know, what's the truth about dinosaurs? What's Did they really live millions of years ago, or did they coexist with people? I never really bought the traditional account, you know, that we were told. Yeah. And so uh, I basically found all this overwhelming evidence that not only did they exist, but they coexisted with man. Yeah. I mean, petroglyphs all over the world, rock carvings, sculptures, pottery, the Ica stones, which I have books on, which are proven to be authentic by all evidence. And uh, so it's it's very interesting to me now how there's this new kind of new trend or this new idea that's kind of been filtered out there that dinosaurs are completely fake. Yes. Like, you know, Eric Dubay's floating that out there. Yeah. <laughs> that's completely absurd. <laughs> yeah. I mean, have they not investigated all this? Uh, 
how much evidence, and, and all this evidence is suppressed too. That's the thing. Have you ever? Do they ever talk about the Eka Stones anywhere? Uh, no. I mean, I have no. before. I like to give creation talks before, and uh, it's, I'm I'm pretty rusty at this point. But no, I've seen a lot of those Eka Stones. Yeah, and I think the purpose of this is uh, basically uh, these kind of people that are in in the kind of fakeology that have kind of a fakeology mindset. They don't have any objective standard that they're operating off of. Yeah. I think that why this is why the Illuminati is kind of leading them to these conclusions, because, I mean, if you don't have any objective standard to determine what's real and not real, you can't know that anything, you can't know if anything's real. You have no objective standard by which to measure it against you're operating yeah. off of, you know. That epistemology is going to reduce to nihilism. That's its yeah. ultimate end. That's the yeah. ultimate logical extension of that. You can't know anything's real. Anything could be fake. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's just going to reduce you to nihilism, and I think that's what they want. That's what they want. Yeah, you know? I agree. Nihilism and complete confusion. You know? Yes. And, and you're uh, and you're going to reject the Bible de facto because you're going to think that the Bible's all fake. That's going to follow yeah. by necessity. You see that? Yeah, exactly. I uh, yeah. With the Eka stones, it's uh, those always fascinate me and the sculptures and stuff. Uh, oh yeah, like the the plesiosaurus, uh, like triceratops. And, well, uh, see what? See, I kind of disagree with something you said earlier. You said that, that the problem is on the Eka stones, like all the popular types of dinosaur that people are aware of, they're all represented on the Eka stones. Yeah, like there's I, triceratops, you know, there's the T Rex type, there's uh, the sauropod long neck type. Yeah, Megasaurus no. type. They're all on there. The flying type. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't really that. know how much fakery is going on. Yeah, and there may but, not uh, they may, there may not be that much. It's just uh, I think they probably created some fakery, of course. But um, yeah, I agree. But how much? I'm not really sure because all the all the popular types are on there. They're all represented. Yeah, that's, that, and, that's and they're represented elsewhere as well, not just on there. Yeah, that's what I was going to say about the Ecosones is. There's yeah, other historical uh, representations of them as well. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. Most of the, at least the, the well-known ones, the popular ones, uh, seem to be represented as yeah. far as um, uh, how they generally look. Um, but you know, which one, you know, which ones beyond those have been faked? Maybe I don't know. And of course, you know, they may. Uh, Make them look a little different. Oh, sure, yeah, they might for, make for the modifications movie. here and there, yeah. Yeah, but as far as... Or if they haven't found that, a complete skeleton, they'll obviously fill in the, you know... Yeah, but see, apparently there's been some pretty complete skeletons found of, like, T-Rexes and... See, that's the thing. See, I used to think that T-Rex had to be fake. Yeah. I, mean, I used to think that was just, like, the Illuminati had to have fabricated like there's no way this thing exists. like with those tiny arms you know what i mean yeah i thought it had to be a joke that they were pulling on people you know but t-rex yeah. actually is it's like the dinosaur that they found the most complete skeletons of yeah you know exactly <laughs> uh so no I, I agree i i think that uh i mean i have no problem with it i mean i you know i have no problem with the possibility that it existed no, I don't either. I just uh, you just always wonder where they're manipulating stuff, and you know, not giving us quite the truth and something. But but um, overall, I don't 
I don't think there's they're definitely not faking dinosaurs. You know, no, entirely. no, absolutely not. No. And I think that's I think it's like you said, it's a somehow a psyop going on. And it may be because uh too many people are beginning to see and understand uh with the evidence yeah. that yeah. over the years that uh dinosaurs not only existed but existed with with man. There's just exactly and it corroborates the Bible, see. Yeah, so now and they the don't want that. Do. They don't want that. No, the best thing they can do is then just say dinosaurs didn't exist. Yep. It's all fake. Because yeah, because if you're operating off the fakeology mindset, you're also going to conclude that the Bible was all fake. All all of history is fake, and you know everything from history is fake. The Bible's fake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's. Well, I was going to say too. Uh, I hear I hear objections. Well, I actually heard. I listened to a recent Hoaxbusters call. I did I did a podcast critiquing this, but Chris Kendall talked about dinosaurs on there, and he made the objection to them possibly existing because uh, he assumed that therefore they are cold blooded. So how could a creature get that large and be cold blooded? You know. Yeah. But uh, he's begging quick. the question. He's begging the question there because uh, you know he's assuming that there were just giant lizards and that they were cold blooded. Yeah. But uh, if you look at the Ecostones, there's depictions on there of dinosaurs giving live birth. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that? Yes, I have. So that would indicate that they weren't cold-blooded. They had exactly. mammalian characteristics. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that dinosaurs, I think that they were in their own unique category of animal. They didn't. They weren't just giant re- reptiles, like giant lizards, you know? I think that they had, like... They're almost like in between reptiles and mammals. You know, they had like characteristics of both. Yeah, I think you know? we're on it. See that, and that may be a way that they tried to fool people is make them all cold blooded and they lay eggs and. Yeah. Yeah, they're just thing. giant lizards. Yeah, no. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. Well, another assumption he made is that, uh, you know, uh, the Earth. He was assuming that the climate couldn't have been much warmer in the past, so therefore they couldn't have existed. Yeah, that's another thing. I think that because uh, we believe in this first century cataclysm, I mm-hmm. think that the climate was a lot warmer before that. Was, the climate was way more mild before this first century cataclysm. Yeah, and I think the first century cataclysm is actually what pretty much killed off all the dinosaurs in totality. I yeah. think there's very few remnants that survive that, you know, and they're, now they're in the realms of cryptozoology, you know, the ones that did survive. I think they're relegated to very remote regions that somewhat still maintain a somewhat tropical climate, you know, like the Congo Basin in Africa. They got a lot of them there, stuff like yeah, that. But, exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, and I agree with you. I, I See, until I started talking to Dave, I've never really heard about the first century cataclysm, although... I had read some stuff about things, evidence they'd found, you know, across the world uh, that seemed to indicate destruction by fire, you know, and it it was, but I didn't know what to do with that, you know, until I heard Dave talking about it, and then it started making a lot of sense, and then what you said, uh, you know how they say the dinosaurs were killed out by meteors, and, yeah. uh, you know, 
basically fiery deaths, and it's like, well, they're basically telling us what happened. They're just yeah, the revelation, the revelation of the method. They're just placing it in a in the distant past, you know. Yeah, it's a the, timeline. Yeah. Uh huh. It's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty uh, amazing when you yeah. think about it because it's like they're giving us a lot of truth there, but they're throwing everybody off by saying it was you know sixty million years ago or whatever. Uh huh. So. Yeah, the ecosystems, man. Those are those are fat. Those show a bunch of stuff that's very <laughs> fascinating. Like yeah, high high technology and using oh, yeah. telescopes way before telescopes were supposedly invented. And uh, they were domesticating oh, yeah. dinosaurs on those things, like riding yeah. them as like war mounts and stuff. Yeah, literally yeah. like the Flintstones. I think they actually put that show out like as mockery. You know, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly what they did. Yeah, you show yeah. them. You can show them on on the back of a uh, uh, like a pterodactyl, right? Oh, I know. Riding it is a warm out. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, doing like you said, like brain surgery. And, yeah, brains. Uh, yeah, C-sections and uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, I remember. I remember. Of course, it's been a long time ago, but uh, giving a talk about at a church about that and uh, brought some of that up. And of course, afterwards. Uh, the few people that, uh, you know, of course, believed in long ages, you know, <laughs> years ago, they just said, well, those are fake. And it's like, no, they aren't. I said, uh, prove it. Well, no, you know, that that's the only way they can. Yeah, it's pr- proof, it by, proof by assertion. It's called the ad hoc fallacy. It's when you just assert something without demonstrating why it's necessary or giving any evidence, you know. Yeah, yeah. It just yeah, doesn't. That's all they can do. And all the evidence indicates that they aren't fake because if you're going to say they were hoaxed, well, the hoaxers literally depicted specific features of anatomy, external features of anatomy that were actually discovered way later and confirmed by scientific finds. Like, for instance, uh, some of those long neck or sauropod dinosaurs, they depicted them with, uh, like, dermal spines, like these spines going all the way on their back and on their neck and on their tail. Yep. And that was actually confirmed by later discoveries that they had those. <laughs> and also, yep. uh, they depicted them with this certain type of scale pattern, like this spiral scale pattern. Yeah. And that was con- they found soft tissue samples way later and confirmed that as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> you tell me the hoax the hoaxers just managed to accurately predict, you know, these very obscure uh, features of anatomy. You know, that, that's very wow. That's a good theory, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's. I always thought that was uh-huh. amazing. They, they found uh, skin samples and like uh, skin imprints, you know, like in stone or whatever, and uh, and it was like, oh wow, those patterns are very similar. Yeah, uh, yeah, those are fascinating stones and uh, and sculptures and stuff like that. Uh, pretty amazing. Yeah, and they're just buried. You know, they're they're given a lot of silence. You know. Yep. Exactly. They totally suppress them. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, there's so they, much. They don't. They don't even address them to say they're fake. They don't want any attention brought to them whatsoever. No, uh, it's just, just yeah, yeah, hide them. But yeah, the oh, yeah. information uh-huh. that's out there is so uh, rampant it, now. It's uh, I've never seen it like this in my life, you know, because it's just you know you have somebody, especially somebody that younger that. Uh, and really being taught anything, or you know, just trying to learn. I mean, it's just all over the place. Uh, you know, trying to figure something out is almost impossible. 
uh, yeah. unless you know, unless you can approach it from a biblical biblical perspective, you know, like that we're talking about, and 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 have a context like that. But yeah, you got to have the you got to have the right starting point, you know, the right epistemology, because that's going to dictate your metaphysic, your reality, you know, the conclusions okay. that you're going to draw. Exactly, but even uh-huh. even with that, there's so much uh, misinformation and just <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, it's just it's all over the place. It's just crazy. Mm-hmm. Because I've never in my life, if you'd asked me, I don't know, I don't know when they started with this. Dinosaurs never existed. You know, as far as I mean, there's some people, of course, that always said that they just never got into it. But as far as like really being promoted, if you'd asked me five years ago that oh, this is going to be a huge push that you know uh, dinosaurs never existed, I would have said, oh, you're crazy. Probably another another reason they're probably doing that is it's just an obvious absurdity, and it's just it poisons everything else. You know, every other truth that might be associated with that, whatever else that person's pushing, you know, or whatever else is in that movement. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, is there anyone else that wants to uh, talk? And I'll just kind of sit back and listen for a while. I'm just going to say that the the view that dinosaurs are all quote unquote fake uh, that is obvious propaganda, and they throw out this propaganda and these fake allusions and hoaxbusters. They bite on it uh, yeah. and swallow it because it's consistent with their belief system. So they're throwing out the extreme reality psyop to feed your ego. And please don't feed your ego. I want you to think critically and realize. That they're pushing extreme fakery, just like they push the nightly news. What is the opposite of the nightly news? You're supposed to believe the nightly news. If you don't want to believe the nightly news, guess what, folks? What is the polar opposite of that opinion? Everything is fake, and you can't determine anything for real. You get on YouTube, give me a break. All these people that are pushing this holographic reality theory, you don't think that's a, a psyop? You don't. You know what this is, Chris? It's an absolute attack on the epistemology of the Western mind. You can't know anything for sure. Yeah. So you're uh-huh. done. You start thinking about all those lines, everything is fake, and you can't know anything for real, and we don't trust tradition it's or it's history. Also an attack on, it's an attack on the Bible, too. If you're operating off any kind of biblical, biblical epistemology, right. you know. When you're going to wake up and, and realize that tradition means something, I yeah, I'm tell you what. I'm going to declare it right now. I'm going to come after everybody. This is going to have to do with the Bible. I'm not going to do it right now. But I've said on the show, you can't infallibly prove anything before the 14th century. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm just warning everybody. We're going to have some new um, <clears throat> people in here that reject the Apostle Paul. My integrity is going to be called into question. So this is a grand opportunity for all you conservative Christian apologists. Come after me, okay? Jeez. Here's what I'm going to do with all of you. I send your very greatest to me. I'm the authority. Yeah, I know you think I'm a super big ego. So how long is it going to take for Dave to sink everybody, every intelligent Speaker or expert in the history of Christianity. You know what I'm going to do with you right now? I'm going to humble you. Here's how it works. 
Count how many seconds it takes for Dave to do this. Are you ready? I just said it. You can't prove anything infallibly before the 14th century. Do you understand that has to do with the Bible? So you're going to say, well, if you reject the Apostle Paul, that's a heresy. Um, Prove to me anything in the Bible infallibly. You can't prove anything with absolute certainty about an ancient document. I'm standing behind that. You see that? What we need to do is move beyond all that and go to the other level. Okay, now Dave's going to support the Bible. Yes, I do. Don't try to prove anything with an ancient document. And don't try to prove to me this or that about Paul, because you can't prove anything with absolute certainty before the 14th century. Now, if you disagree with me, and you know your little emotional buttons are being pushed right now, come talk to Dave, and we'll make it all better, all right? Uh, you're not going to prove anything. Yeah. I'm to the, thing. And the greatest expert that ever was, come talk to Dave. I'll take it all down. It's going to take about eight seconds. Can you answer my question? you want to personally embarrass yourself in a public format? Come talk to Dave. All right? We'll see how you do. Mr. Big Shot, who's, who's first? Your epistemology is propaganda. It was manufactured by the medieval Roman church get you to receive their propaganda. Make it all better. Yeah, we got it all figured out. Well, you got it all figured out? Tell you what you do. Come talk to Dave. That's the solution for every problem. I just said it on Facebook. Come talk to me. We'll see how you do. We'll see how smart you are. All right? Anything else, Chris? Uh, not from that, no. <laughs> Nobody wants to respond to that because you're going to appear foolish. <laughs> So I guess I have to point this out because nobody can seem to think straight the last thousand years. And why is that? Well, Dave, Dave makes the extraordinary claim that God has blocked their minds. We're talking about Christians now. Dave, did you really say that? Yes, I got the scriptures to prove it. You can start with Isaiah 29. I've executed it before. I put it in the first century context. God has blocked your mind. And then when you listen to us here, you're chuckling in the background, going, this is really strange. You know, these guys are claiming to be Christians, fighting all these monsters. Uh, you can't quite process this show, can you?
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.